we're not going to be yelling and screaming at each other. We probably will interrupt each other here and there. The idea is to, you know, be polite. He's a nice guy, you know, and uh, I call him a brother in the Lord, and he called me a brother in the Lord, and, and that's how it is. So, you know, we find a, an articulate guy who likes to, uh, you know, to, to discuss this issue, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, we're not going to be taking any calls during the whole show, and... Unfortunately, well, I know I get a little vacation time. I will not be on the air tomorrow. They've got a little radio thing they're doing, and everybody's going to be out of the station and all of that kind of stuff. And since uh, this is kind of an after-hours show, you know, after normal people go home for your radio station, and it requires uh, manning the boards and doing some actual stuff with your fingers and stuff I can't do on the radio, uh, where I won't be in the studio. So I'll be back in Monday, and we'll go at it then. I'm hoping some atheists call, uh, because I love I do. They are a lot of fun. And I think we got that. We got the headset going. We got the radio going. Oh, that reminds me. If you are interested in checking it out and seeing what's happening here in the studio, all you got to do is go to carm.org, C A R M.org, the homepage there, and you will find out that uh, you know, a little video box should be there. You click it, you can watch, or if you want to participate in discussion, there's a little link. You go do that, register, and you're in. Real simple. Real simple and easy. So uh, those of you who might be new to the show, this is a Christian apologetics show. We defend the Christian faith. That's the whole purpose. Bring glory to Jesus Christ and um, refute error. So having said all of that, uh, hey, Joe, are you there? I am here, my brother. How are you doing, sir? Doing fine, man. How are you? Just loving Jesus. Excited. Had a wonderful steak dinner with my wife, and I said I'm going to bat for you guys tonight on Facebook. So I expect some free uh, cupcakes and some free dinners from my uh, women friends in the ministry. We're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so wait a minute. You're saying the women in ministry need to do the cooking? They need to. I'm just I'm just asking them by a, a way of a favor, but they don't have to. I'm teasing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, my my wife's a better barbecuer than I am. It's kind of a guy job. I get out there and, I, and I'm doing the steaks and the hamburgers, and she like looks at me. Right you know, on. And she, Pointing to things. Have you done this yet? Yes, sir. Have you done that yet? Yes, sir. And she's just a, just, she's a great cook. People come over and go, yeah, she's a great cook. So uh, there you go. Hey. So I was telling people, don't know what you heard, uh, you know, you and I disagree on this issue of women topic, I mean, women topic, uh, women being pastors and elders, mm-hmm. and that um, we're not going to be screaming in at each other and calling each other heretics unless it's for fun. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that we're brothers in Christ. Amen. Right? Amen. Wonderful. And I was surprised, in a pleasant way, to find that you link CARM on your website. Absolutely. I support you guys. I'm honored to be here. You are a man of God doing a wonderful ministry. I've been following you for probably about the last 10 years. That's about as long as I've been on the Internet, and I've just appreciated what you've done. And I want everybody to know that, that, that I mean that from my heart. And we will still link you after this in Jesus' name. No matter what happens? No matter what. We can take it. Wonderful. Well, my name is Joe Wyrostek. I'm the elder at a church my wife and I started five years ago. It's a non-denominational church. I come from a drugs and alcohol background. I was saved when I was 18 years old. That was about 14 years ago. Went to an Assembly of God Bible College, planted a church in New Orleans for about five years, working with the inner city and the low income. Then I came to Chicago, worked in a youth ministry position for a few months, met my wife. We were led by the Lord to start a church in our home. And uh, that's what we've been doing. I've pursued uh, my master's degree, and I'm in Liberty University now online. And I also have an extension 
uh, campus from the Assembly of God school I went to in our church where I'm an instructor. And uh, we're just serving the Lord, doing wonderful things. It's great to be here. Oh, good, man. Thanks for coming on. That Amen. reminds me, we had already dis- or we had also previously discussed Calvinism. Maybe we could do a little thing on Calvinism. I know you don't agree with it, and I'm a Calvinist. Um, uh, that might be interesting to do that in a week or two also. Wonderful. Yeah, that'll be great. But at any rate, so I, I tell you what, uh, we already told you, but basically was going to ask you, uh, kind of get the same kick started, uh, you know, I hold to the biblical position, and you believe what you do. <clears throat> so why do you believe we're looking at pastors and elders? Good question. I got an email from uh, one of your constituents that uh, you were asking them to send out to churches that allowed women to be elders, and that's what got us into this discussion. And so what I believe is just very simple. I believe women and men have the same salvation, Galatians 3.28, same empowerment of the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.17, they have the same ministry giftings, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and many others. And I believe, therefore, they have to have the same offices. And I can show that in the life of Junia and Phoebe. So that's simply why I believe it. Wow. Okay. Well, Galatians 3, 28 is not talking about church offices. It's talking about those who are in Christ. The phrase in Christ is a phrase of salvation, that those who are in Christ are saved, those who are outside of Christ. So those who are in Christ are neither male nor female in Christ. Or one. So what he's talking about there is not a church structure issue. He's talking about the issue of salvation relationship. The I agree. Uh, yes. can't be used to demonstrate that women can't be pastors and elders. I wasn't using it that way. I was going through a four-point system. The salvation was my first point, and that's why I okay. use Galatians 3.28. Then I moved to a second point of empowerment, Acts 2.17, then ministry giftings of 1 Corinthians 12.28, and then, therefore, the same offices. So it's a three-point uh, philosophy, I mean, it's a three-point um, philosophical argument with D being the result. So, yes, I, I, I don't, I'm not using that to support it. I'm just using that to support salvation and working from there. Okay. Well, so, I yeah. would agree, you know, they're to be saved. And of course. Look at, at the Acts 2.17, and it shall be in the last days, God says, I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions, dream dreams, etc. Yes. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. So we agree with same salvation. We agree with same empowerment. Do we agree with same ministry gifts? In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, God appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with the gifts of administration, those speaking different types of tongues. Would you agree that they can have those same gifts? Yeah, but I want to just clarify a little bit. Uh, I want to uh, differentiate between generic and specific. And what I mean okay. that, I mean... All women basically have all the same giftings as all men do in a, as a group. But, for example, I'm more gifted in thinking on my feet and being obnoxious than my wife is. Mm-hmm. And she's better at other things that I'm just not as good at. So a gift I may have, she won't, and vice versa. So I'm, I'm just to clarify, I'm sure you agree with this. Mm-hmm. Not all individuals have all the gifts that somebody else might have. They differ. They differ. Yes. Okay. So then it wouldn't necessitate that any particular woman who appears to be gifted is required. Well, we'll get into that right now. Yeah. Uh, first one is 12.28. I wrote down the verses you were saying, so I'm going to go through them. I always like to look at the scripture and see what it actually says. Yeah, and, and, my, and as you're looking it up, what I'm simply saying is that there is no differentiation from apostle to prophet to teacher to worker of a miracle, then the gifts of healing, helping others, administration, and speaking in tongues. So it's we in the American church who put the pastor at the front, and then we say that uh, the administrator is at the back, or somebody that's helping is like a janitor, where I'm saying God said they're all 
given by the Holy Spirit, and he made no gender distinction in this uh, passage right here. So if we want to start making gender distinctions between offices that have authority, you're going to have to do that in a passage like this where, where you're going to have to prove that they have a different authority with each measure that a woman can't have. So to me, I believe if a woman can have the gifts of administration, she can have the gift of a prophet is what I'm saying simply. Well, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Uh, but you're trying to build a case. And what I could do with, with anyone who yeah. builds a case, I have to look at each step along the way to see if the step supports the case that they're making. Wonderful. Because if it doesn't, then when you conclude, they don't have a case yeah. at all. And so, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, uh, you're, you are Christ's body. He's talking generically to Corinthians and therefore mm-hmm. to us. Uh, you're Christ's body, individual members of it. Uh, verse 28, and God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Well, you know, an apostle, there's different kinds of apostles. I don't know if you know are aware of that. I don't agree with that. I've, I've read your research on that, and, and uh, I believe it's uh, uh, I believe it's stretching the meaning there. I believe there's um, different apostles at different times, but I believe they're all doing the same thing. So you would say, okay, the word apostle comes from apostello, which means to send. Yes. And Jesus is called an apostle in Hebrews 3.1. Yes. Apostle and high priest. But he wouldn't be an apostle in the same sense that Paul was, would you say? But what did he do? He went out and he won souls and he established a church. So in that basic definition, he did that. The first apostles did that. The apostles after the apostles did that. They were sent out, won souls, built a church. In that sense, that definition never changes. That's what I agree. Well, that's, then, that's what I support. Then my nine-year-old child would be an apostle because she preached one well, time. Well, does she start when a church? Eleven. Does she start a church, though? Okay, but okay, so it's more specific. Uh, If I didn't say that, I'm sorry. I mean, you're sent, you win souls, and start a church. If I didn't clarify that, I'm sorry. Start a church. Okay, maybe I missed that part. I'm sorry. So uh, you're going to say that women can do that. Women can be apostles. Now, did not Paul say that he was an apostle in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, and said that he claimed apostolic authority because he had seen the risen Lord? And also in Acts chapter, I believe it's two, I forgot exactly where, uh, I think it's one, maybe one or two. It's, when they, we need to replace uh, Judas, they said, we need to find someone who's been with us from the beginning and who also is uh, partaking in the ministry and seen the risen Lord, things like this. Mm-hmm. They give an apostolic requirement. So would you agree, since that's how they define it in the sense of authority in the early church, that that office of apostles now done? No, I disagree. I, I think you're, you're stretching it again. It's a type of an apostle, but they're doing the same thing. So the first type of an apostle had to see the resurrection to be with the 12. Now, Peter, I mean, Paul is another type of apostle, but he didn't witness Christ's miracles from the very beginning, but yet he's still an apostle. So that actually would disprove your point, but he's still sent out winning souls, building a church. So you would have to then explain how Paul was an apostle not just because of the resurrection, because that's not the qualifications in Acts. Actually, the qualifications are with us from the beginning. Am I correct that they had to be with him from the beginning to be chosen? For the inner 12 circle, yeah. Yeah, so how would you allow Paul to be considered an apostle? So you have to make a 13th apostle in some sense, correct? Some say that, and there's some debate on whether or not the uh, apostle Matthias really was properly called because of the drawing straws. It gets into another 
argument just off. I do think it's a little off subject. Let's just put his apostles aside for a minute. Do we believe they could be teachers? Let's take something that the Bible says clearly, teach the younger women. You know, older women teach the younger women. So uh, there's no gender-specific role in 1228. Would you agree with me that the opportunity for them to have gifts is the same as men? That's my point in that point yeah, yeah, C. Yeah, I would agree. I okay. Would agree, but that doesn't mean that they qualify for the same office. But, you know, I said earlier there are different kinds of apostles, and you you actually verified what I said. You said there's the first kind of an apostle uh, who'd seen the risen Lord, et cetera, out of Acts 1, 20, 22, 23, yeah. or 21, 22. And also you said the second kind, Paul's another kind. So you are affirming what I said. Yeah, can I clarify that? What, what I mean by that is that they do the work of an apostle, and they are an apostle. Some try to say there are not apostles around today, nor were they after the 12, or somehow they put Paul in there. What I'm saying is there are still apostles along with all these other gifts. They're doing the same thing in the apostolic sense Paul did, and the 12 did, and Jesus did. But in now this calling of an apostle, there's kinds of apostles, kinds. And I'm just helping differentiate them, but the bottom line is, there was apostles then. There are apostles now. It's a gift. Men and women can share that gift, along with prophets, teachers, workers of miracles. So if you agree with that point, then we have to move to point D. If you want to stay on point C, which is they have the same ministry giftings, then let's take one that we both agree on, like teaching or administrating or helping others. You would have to well, prove to me that one is for one gender and another is only for another gender. Well, I can do that later with the apostles, with the issue of eldership. Okay. But... Uh, uh, with the issue of, of the apostle, okay. um, I had a point I was going to make. I should write this down by listening. Uh, there is a kind of apostle that is required but by having been with the Lord, seen that ministry opportunity. I would agree with you if you were to define an apostle from the sense of not that kind who was with Jesus and saw his miracles. Yes. Uh, obviously, that office is done. You can't even have that around. Yeah. Now, if you're to find apostle as well, someone who sent, someone who starts churches, someone who has authority in a generic sense, I'd say, well, then if you were to define it that way, then it's still around. The Absolutely. question is, how do does the Bible agree? define that office? Okay. And I don't want to get into that right yeah. now because okay. we're getting off the really kind of topic. Yeah, okay. But uh, I think what you're trying to get at is that you're really trying to get into this area of junia in uh, Romans 16, 7. Well, it's, it's bigger than that, but we can go there. But my whole point I've said to you on the conversation is, if we agree with what I have as, as point C, my point A is same. My point A is same salvation. My point B is same empowerment, and point C is same ministry giftings. Well, if we agree with that, then how in the name of Jesus do we give these women the opportunity to work in giftings? You have to develop a third type of an office that's other than an elder and a deacon for them to teach, for them to administrate, for them to help others. Because I see it so simply as, if anyone's going to do anything in the church and have any authority, gender to gender, cross-gender, it doesn't matter. They have to fulfill the office requirements. And there's only two, elder, deacon. There's nothing that tells us in the Bible how to be a teacher, how to qualify to do gifts of administration, how to help others. There's no table of contents, but there is for elder and deacon. And that's why I believe the women have to fit into that because there's no other place for them to fit. Well, there is. The Bible tells us that women are to teach women, older women to teach younger women, and it's defined. And the very necessity of that truth requires that men cannot fulfill that obvious office and requirement. 
what's going on here is that the Bible does differentiate between male and female roles. It absolutely does. Well, I know you're going to put me in, in, in Timothy and uh, the, the requirements being husband of one wife. But before we get there, and I, I love to go there with you. So uh, you have Dorcas in the Bible, just someone who, who's or a co-worker with, with Paul and them. And, and she now has to fulfill a requirement. Where do we take her in the Bible to fulfill a requirement to be qualified to teach other women? Where are you going to show her that she needs to meet these requirements? Where are you going to bring her in the Bible? Oh, I don't have it memorized. But we do know, you do know, that Paul does teach us. He tells us in the scriptures, he says, look, let women teach women, let men teach men, uh, women teach the, uh, you know, the widows teach the so, others. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but if somebody comes to your church, if somebody comes to your church and says, I'm a woman, and now I want to teach other women, are you just yeah. going to say, well, because you came to me and you've said that, you're qualified now to do that, she doesn't have to... Uh, yeah. avoid alcohol, drinking, and all these other things that come with an office, how would you set a parameter for her, is what I'm asking. Well, obviously, anyone who's going to be teaching the Word of God would have to abide by the Word of God. But you're not going to have her fulfill any requirements. So, so basically, uh, we can move past this point, but this is oh, my... Okay, go ahead. I interrupted twice. It's my fault, please. It's your show. That's okay. I got a little excited. That's <laughs> all right. Of course I would. I would. If I were a pastor of a church and some woman came in and said, look, I want to, I want to teach, I'd say, what do you want to teach? Yeah. And what capacity do you want to teach? She said, I want to be a pastor in a pulpit. Sorry, you're not qualified. Yeah. I don't care what you say, it's not going to work. And she said, I want to teach other women how to be better wives. I, let's just pick that as a topic. I think, okay, well, I need to get to know you, make sure you're orthodox, make sure you're not going to be teaching heresy, make sure this, make sure that, you know, check her out. As the Bible says, don't lay hands on anybody quickly. You watch and you make sure that they're okay. That's what I would do. Okay. And what I would do, and what I do is I hold her to the same requirements that the wives of deacons are clearly held to and that elders are held to. So the only difference between you and I, other than how much authority we give them, but in operating their giftings, you have to come up with an orthoproxy, an orthodox way of practice that's not laid out in the Bible, where I use the one that is clearly laid out in the Bible. You do? Elder and deacon. How would a teacher... A woman teacher yes. who's an elder, they're talking about, we're getting down to the issue of elders and pastors. Yeah. How is she going to be a man of one woman, according to Titus 1.6? Okay. In the same sense that she is uh, a part of the church and not participating in polygamy, and she's following the guidelines for marriage and home. Paul would speak, and here's, here's the big ringer for you, I know, so I want to take my time on this. Paul is speaking to a male leadership audience, and he's speaking to people that have gotten into the sin of polygamy. He's making sure the men know they can't be polygamists, and then he speaks to them as a male uh, culture. Now, does that disqualify, A, somebody that's single? Not in my mind. Paul was single. How could he be appointing elders if he himself is not married. Timothy, from what we understood, was single, and yet he's commanded to be appointing these in Ephesus. So I know he's not restricting it that way. Number two, what if a man's wife died? He remarried. He now is not technically the husband of one wife. So I think simply, there's the two points. Paul is speaking to a male leadership audience. I'll go there with you, but only so far, and I'll explain that in a minute. A primarily male leadership audience and he's speaking to people that have dealt with polygamy. So he's just restricting in his church how you have to be in a marriage, in a family, 
and he's speaking to the men primarily. I think Paul was primarily working with men. That doesn't mean that we can't work with women. Paul also told the women to wear head coverings. He told them to be quiet. They couldn't ask questions. He told slaves to remain in slavery. He told us to submit to government and rule. He did a lot of things. He told men to remain single, virgins to remain single. A lot of things that we have to weigh within his culture. And so that's my simple answer. It's just he's dealing with a man-leading culture and a polygamous culture. That's why I believe he would say that. Okay, well, you know what, I, I'm going to come back to Titus 1-6 with you because, um, okay. not, no offense, brother, but I think you really ripped that one to shreds. Okay. Uh, we'll get back to that. You, you know I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive. No, uh, I, I know you don't go there, because, but can I ask you a question real quick on that? Sure. Before we go, do you believe that there are doctrines in the Bible that are complex, you don't work from one scripture to get to it, like the Trinity, divinity of Jesus, etc.? Yep. So if we were talking to a Muslim and he says, there's one God, one uh, mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and he says to you all day long, he's a man, he's a man. Don't you then have to work through the context of Scripture, right? I'm just saying that we're doing the same thing with women in ministry. There's, to me, a complex issue here, and you have to take it all, or you have to work with it in a cultural context. And if you don't take it all, like if your women are not wearing coverings, and if they're not, if they're totally silent, you don't have them asking questions, then you have already pulled the culture card. So I'm asking you for the same permission. That's all I'm doing. Well, let's just say I'm holding back, okay? <laughs> I want to see where you're at on something else. Okay. I thought you wanted to stay on that, though. I wanted to really deal with it because I know that's the big one. That's the ringer, you know? It's the big end. It's not for me. Okay. Well, take me where you want. I'm on your show. I'm enjoying this. It's a good time. That's great. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, I want to find out where you are. This is what I do. I gather information, okay, and then I find problems with the, the arrangement of the information. Okay, that comes drawn. That's, that's the, the tactic I use. Okay, wonderful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> First Timothy two twelve. I don't know what you do with this because I don't know what you do with this. Okay. Uh, First Timothy two twelve and thirteen. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it is Adam who was first created, and then Eve. The Adam first created, and then Eve is not a cultural thing at all. Yes. So, do with that. I, I think there's the, the two things. It's orthodoxy, orthopraxy. He's laying out right thinking as orthodox th- theology. Then he goes into a practice that he builds off of that orthopraxy. So Paul is saying, this is why I do what I do. Does he have the right to tell women in his service to be quiet? Yes. What is this right for doing that? Because they're under the curse because they caused Adam to sin. All right, we both agree with that. But let's work this out now. Do women always have to be quiet in every church, in every situation, until Jesus comes back? Can women ever be saved if they don't have children? Or do they have to be saved only in bearing children? So how do you now interpret that? I interpret him saying, in my church, in my culture, I am doing this. Here's my good reason for doing this. And here's how women in general can do well in our church services is if they bear children. But that's not something that applies for all people at all places at all time. He's just springboarding off of a theological principle and giving you some good practice. So do your women, let me ask you this question. Do you believe a woman is saved by having children, meaning if a woman doesn't have a child, she is not saved? No, I don't believe that's what the text says, though. Oh, come on. Please explain to me, but women will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Please 
share that with me. I would love to hear that. In the culture of the time where Paul was located in the Corinthian area, uh, there were a lot of uh, pagan statues, pagan theologies. One of them was um, Artemis. Another word for Artemis, another name for the god Artemis was Soterion. And that is a pun Paul is using off of the issue of salvation, which is the word Soterios. And so the word Soterion, I have an exact pronunciation of the, of the equivalent of Artemis, another word, because they have many, many names for the same goddess, and she was a goddess. And in the context of Soteri, A or something like that, she was the goddess of childbirth. And what was happening is the women were in danger of leaving Christianity, basically, and going to the pagan temple where Artemis, Saturion, was, and seeking to offer things to that uh, goddess for the issue of childbirth. Paul's making a pun and a point to them. Women will be preserved or saved, Saturion, as in salvation, to the bearing of children. He's pointing them to the issue of don't go to the this false goddess, Artemis. You need to trust in the Lord. Be faithful, be loving, be sanctified. That's where you're going to find your deliverance. Now, that's one legitimate, very good argument. The other one could be, and there's different scholars with different ideas, that the salvation I just talked about is through the person of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ, the women body, things like that. But that was already behind. I think that what I just presented primarily is the answer, and is a contextual answer, which is a cultural one. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you going there, and I'm not going to say I disbelieve it because I haven't heard it before, but I just want to say, you know, in all the commentaries that I've looked at, I've never heard that presented. Uh, you know, just ask this, answer this question. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. So a woman can never speak in church, or are you going to redefine the word silent as being respectful? Are we going to be honest with what this word means? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you, because I've heard people say that this means respectful, and, 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 and we're, we're, we're stretching the context here. In, in the Jewish culture, a child could ask questions, referring back to the Corinthians, they can't ask questions. So we know specifically they can't talk or ask questions when even a male child could. So you're saying to me in a Bible study, a woman could not open, uh, raise her hand, open her mouth, and ask a question. That is exactly what Paul is saying, brother. I think if you change it, you're doing the same thing that you're accusing me of. Okay, now we're ready. You ready? Go for it. All right. In First Timothy chapter two, verses twelve through thirteen, what is going on there? Is Paul is tying in the authority issue with the creation of Adam. It's going to take me a minute or two to get to, and I'll get to the word quiet as well. And what's going on is Adam was the first one created, and there's a doctrine in theology called primogeniture. The first one, the first male in the family has certain rights. This kind of a thing is well known in the scriptures, the firstborn of all creation, which is exemplified of Jesus Christ, first Corinthians, this could be in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. We have to get into that. But the idea of Adam being the first one created, Eve was the one who sinned first, but Adam is the one through whom sin entered the world, uh, Romans 5, 12. And this is because he had the right of representation. He had the right of authority to represent mankind. Even though she sinned first, Sin did not end the world through her, but through him, simply because he was the male. He was the male who is in the order of the primogeniture, which another term is used synonymously with this, is federal headship. Federal headship is the teaching, the biblical teaching, that the male represents the descendants. 
1 Corinthians 15:22, in Adam all die, in Christ all who may alive. This issue of in Christ and in Adam, I could spend a half hour on federal headship alone. I agree okay. with you. I think we're getting off, but this, what's the point? I, I have commentaries that disagree with your ultimate point, so please bring me to the ultimate point. I'm getting there. And so what he's doing, he's talking, and this is 1 Timothy 2. In 1 Timothy 3, he says to Timothy, this is how you are to conduct yourself in the household of God. He's saying, I'm giving you instructions for how you behave in the church and how the church is to be set up. And he's saying, in this, this issue of teaching and exercising authority, now he's talking about this teaching in an authoritative sense, the teaching of authority in the church. He says, the woman is not to do this, but to remain quiet. In Greek, there are two Greek words for quiet. One is hesitia, and the other one is sagao. Sagao is not used here. Sagao means absolute silence. Not a single word, don't say a thing. Hesukia is a word that means just keep it down. You can talk, just keep it low, just be, be quiet-ish, but not silent, the way we're looking at it. Now, this really, you can do your own homework, do the Greek I have, study. and it says I've already analyzed it. That's I'm what's sorry. going on. So in the grit, in the so grit, how are you answering it? I, I don't want to. <clears throat> I want to know how you're answering it. So what is your bottom line? She had to be quiet in the in matters of the church. She does not have the authority to teach authoritatively in the church as an elder and or a pastor, because mm -hmm. by definition, an elder and a pastor are in a position of teaching authority in the church. It's not a qualification. A woman cannot be in that position because if she were to do that, she'd be violating what Paul says here. And a woman yeah. is not to teach or exercise authority for man, but oh. to remain quiet. Not silent, but keeping it down. For it was Adam who was first created. Okay. And what you would have, now, and I mean this lovingly, brother, but what you're doing <laughs> is saying, what is, you're saying, when Paul says that he doesn't want a woman to teach or exercise authority, you're saying it's okay to, to do the very opposite. What I'm saying is that he's dealing within a culture, and it's not only me. I have Guthrie's commentary, and I'm in a college where I just get commentaries from what they recommend me. He says the prohibition may have been due to greater uh, facility with which contemporary women were fail falling under the influence of imposters. Another place, he says, it may be re possibly regarded as a relative verse rather than an absolute prohibition. You know, I, I have commentaries that, that take the culture in mind, and they say he's, he's dealing with them. He's telling them to be quiet. This is what they have to do. I'm saying it's within culture and not every situation. You're saying it's within culture, but it's every situation. The bottom line is, your women are not silent. That's the bottom line. You, my women aren't silent, and neither are yours. You want to redefine what he means here and put it in your cultural context, but you don't give me the same permission. I don't think that's being fair in the context. It just says be silent. You can say it's another different word. I have the Greek word here, and it still says silent. And there's a reason why it says silent and not respectful. I mean, if we're NIV translators, we can discuss this on a translation board. But it says silent. I mean, that, they chose that word. She can't talk. So, How many words are there for silent in the English language? If, if you want to tell me, sir, I don't know. I have uh, no idea. Silent. That's the word. But in the Greek, it's <laughs> not way. Well, brother, do you want me to pull out the lexicon? As I'm looking at it right now, I, I don't see it saying what you're saying in the simple uh, strong Thayer's that I have for free on the internet right here. I don't have Kittles yet. I'm trying to get some of these resources. And my commentary that I have in front of me doesn't say what you're saying. So what you're asking no, us to do no, is no, to no, take... No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. Go ahead. That's not what the commentary is saying there. It's not doing an analysis of the Greek word that is used there. It's like when you use the word agape. People don't realize agape does not mean divine love. Agape is used when you look at the whole listing of how 
word is used. You see in Luke 11:43, for example, that the Pharisees agape their high seats. It wasn't a divine love that they had. It doesn't mean that. Well, we're getting off subject. I get the point. Well, let me ask you a question. The commentator that I have, Guthrie, says, authenteo, to have authority, could mean lord it over. So not even in the sense where she can't have authority. It's just she can't lord it over a man, lord it over him, which lording would be wrong. So so are we going to get into an argument of words here that, you know, it means this or means that? Honestly, brother, I think it's a little bit off the subject here. You had to deal with them being saved by childbirth. You gave a cultural example that you feel is more valid than mine. That's okay. And then you give the silent cultural example, which is more valid than mine. We're both saying culture. How are we missing that? Are, are we flying past each other? Or do you see that we're both saying culture here? No, no, no. I'm saying this, that when Paul uses the Greek word hesukia instead of sagao, that what he's saying is to not be absolutely silent. I did the homework. I've had four and a half years of biblical Greek. I've got a master's of divinity. It's not that difficult. I do know this. When you go to Strong's lexicon and you look up a word, that's fine. It gives a generic meaning. You yeah. need to find how it's used in the scriptures and what context. Yeah, it can mean quiet. Sure, it can mean quiet. But okay. how is it more specifically used? I have done my homework on okay, so let's just say what you said is right there. I'm sorry, but if what you said is right there, then how do you get around the same issue in 1 Corinthians 14:36 when it says they, if they have a question, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. This is Jewish practice of synagogue. Are you telling me it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church? Or are you not even going to put this in the cultural context of an eldership meeting? Because that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about worship services. Okay, okay. okay. Hold on. I get a little excited here. And, you know, I say, <laughs> I'm, I'm really holding back, okay? Well, well I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting passionate. It's just that you, you ramrodded me with the Greek and you pulled the, you know, uh, the ad authority on me. And I'll go there with you. But just, come on, it says don't even speak in the other context. How are you going to deal with that? Well, let's stick with one thing at a time. I'm trying to get you to understand something in First Corinthians, excuse me, First Timothy 2, 12 okay. 13. Paul is not equating this as a cultural thing at all. He's equating this with a created order. This is a doctrinal thing. Which part? Because you, when I asked you, are they saved through childbearing, you took me through a whole long story of Artemis and a Greek pagan de deity. So which part are you saying is not cultural? The part that he ties it into the created order. He says, woman is not the teacher exercise authority in the church for Adam. And he says, or what you could say because, because Adam was created first, then Eve. He's tying that statement in with the created order issue of Adam and Eve. The authority issue, he's tying it into the created order. That's what's going on right there. Then later he addresses another topic and the issue of the women that were going on with the childbirth thing. He doesn't tie that into the created order. He ties in specifically the created order issue with, with uh, Adam. And the issue of women teaching and authority. That you can't get around. Well, let's deal with this. Do, let's do, okay. The standard what? response is to say, well, then it means they'd be quiet. And I, I have done my homework. The word is hesukia, not sagao. Well, I, and it I, doesn't mean, hesukia does not mean to be absolutely silent and don't say anything. Sagao does mean that. And well, that you, is the you, word that is not oh. used. The first one is used, hesukia. Well, He's then you need to go to the translators of the NIV. You need to go to the translators of the NIV. And you need to ask them to make it more literal, the TNIV, because nowhere I've looked does it say what you want it to say. So if you're right and we're all no. wrong and Guthrie's wrong and, and Clark's wrong and all these other commentators, Alan Rodolph or these um, Ready Path, uh, Red Path, Alan Red Path, uh, these are all disagreeing with you. So I don't have your commentary in front of me and I'm researching other commentaries. 
Let me ask you a question, though. When Paul uses this type of logic about obeying authority, we would still be under British rule because he says they carry the sword, they're ministers of God. Does that mean because he uses a theology and comes up with a, 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 a practice that now it's for every and all situation? This is how Paul spoke. He's giving you the reason why he's doing what he's doing in Ephesus, which fits totally with what we're saying. The women had issues. They dealt with problems. He's quieting it down. He's using an example of how they can do well in salvation, like how we said before, work out your salvation, fear and trembling. This is how they can do well, have them be quiet, let's move on. That doesn't mean all time and all places. Okay. Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet, because Adam was created first. Tell me how that's a culturally... That's not cultural. He says, I'm doing this because... This is the curse that's upon women. This is my theology. This is my practice of my theology. He did not say it's a curse. He said Adam was created first. That is important no, theologically. The, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I know the headship. I got, I got it. Okay. He didn't say because of, of any curse of what women did or whatever. He said Adam was created first. He ties it to the created order. Adam first, Eve second. That's what he ties it with. Okay. There's no way that's a cultural thing. Okay. So Adam first, Eve second. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're saved by childbirth. Now that's theology, brother. And how, how do you explain the theology? You bring me back to cultural. Let's, let's look at it. Don't. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it is Adam who was first created, okay. and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but woman being quite deceived fell into transgression. Okay. He says, and he's adding to it. But, he said, by contrast, Women, you be saved or preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith, love, sanctity, and self-restraint. There's a lot of debate on what First Timothy 2.15 means. A lot of debate within the Christian Well, church. brother, that's part of the, the reason why we're here. I agree with that, and I don't think it's a point that we need to stick on very long. But let's go back to the verse 12. I do not permit. He's not saying right. this is forever and for always. He's just saying, I don't permit. This is what I'm doing. Now, if you look at Priscilla and Aquila... Yeah. Paul's saying he should do it, but it's okay for Peter to allow it. Absolutely. Paul did this all the time. Whenever you want to get into Paul's paradoxes, I, I, I wrote out 15 for you when you want to get into Paul's paradoxes of ministry. I got just a few, just so your listeners can hear them real quick. Paul told people not to get circumcised, but circumcised Timothy. Paul said it was good not to marry, but he said elders had to be married. Hold on, hold on. Right? Look at I could I go through. I had 15 of them, by the way, because I knew you were going to put me in this place of either or, and I'm saying both and, both and. And honestly, honestly, I'm, sir, I love you, but you're not keeping it to the point where you know you ought to. You're letting them talk. You don't believe they're safe through childbearing. And anybody who heard you say that off top without all this other explanation would say you're changing the context. Let's just be honest. That's what they would say. Um, well, I don't predict what others would say. <laughs> But you get my point. Eight. You understand. It's not a valid point. I understand it's just not a valid point. That's all. Well, you're accusing me of just going to the Bible, to the you know the the women's lib culture of my day, and just making no, it not, fit. No, no. Well, in one no, sense, no. you know, I, I read you know I read how you know you want people to send this to their pastors, and you do do it respectfully, and I love you. 
But it, 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 you know, you do this ad association fallacy, and you put the homosexual thing right next to it, and it's almost like you know you're just culturizing this Bible. Well, brother, the same principles I use here is the same principles that we use in the uh, the freedom of the slaves and in the American Revolution. Because if we never made out a proxy out of all of this theology, we wouldn't have fought against the British. I got you. I got you. But that's a different topic. I know, but I'm just saying, it's not a, it's a complex issue, brother, and you're holding me to what does it mean to be silent? And I've told you. But I'm trying to say, First Timothy 2.12, you're saying, Paul is saying only about him personally, and that it's okay for Peter. Peter could say something different and contrary to Paul. That's what you said. I want to get back yes, to that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, he Paul, could. Go ahead, sir. Paul says in the next chapter, he's talking to Timothy, but in case I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. He's not just saying it's just for him. He's saying this is how you're to be in the church. So it can't be that he's going to say one thing, Peter's going to say another. It's now, if that's that. the truth, now for your listeners, if that's the truth, then you show me in church history one church government. And you know, and I know, you cannot do that, brother. And that's why, lo and behold, the Catholic Church wants to take it over and force feed us to eat it. Because they were autonomous churches, brother. Paul is autonomously planting churches under the guidelines of the Council of Jerusalem. And he is doing it the way God has told him to do it. Peter had freedom to do it his way. And that's how the church looked until the Catholic Church subjugated us to one rule. So then you're saying that the Holy Spirit who leads Paul, the Holy Spirit who leads Peter, will be teaching contradictory things. Not contradictory. They're, at, they're, they're, they're issues of each apostle, pastor. Let me give you a perfect example of this. We have churches in India, and the churches in India would tell their congregation to do this. But if he was writing me in America, he would tell us something different. If you look at Priscilla and Aquila, the relationship to Apollos is together teaching Apollos. There's no way around the context of that. And so we have to look at... Who is teaching who? Priscilla comes before the name Aquila. She is in the same authority. I don't have a problem with women teaching. But she's teaching a man, and she has authority over that man. A woman teaching a man. We haven't gotten to that point yet. But she has authority over that man. She had authority over Paulus. No, we're talking about eldership and pastorship. Paul is telling us in 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 13, he doesn't allow him to do this, and he's telling us this is how it's to be in the church. It is not a simple cultural thing. It's not simply something that he can do and Peter does something different. I'm sorry, Joe, I love you, but your argument doesn't hold any water here. Paul is saying this is what's for the church. And he yeah. says a woman is not the teacher exercise authority of her man in the church, for Adam was created first. It ties in with the created order. This is the order. It's an authority issue that Adam had that no one else okay. has. If you want to ramrod that and say I have no argument, then I will tell you this. You hold no water to reinterpreting women will be saved through childbearing. I heard what you said. It holds no water, and you hold no water to ever, ever, listen, ever letting a woman speak. So if you want to push me in this corner, I push you in that corner. Let's go to another another scripture, but you're, you're absolutely contradicting the context if that's how you're going to follow the rule. I'm helping you be better. So let's have all the women be quiet in your congregation and teach them to be saved by works, and the work is childbearing. Um, well, that's not actually. I mean, <laughs> you keep yeah, saying no, that, but name a commentary. Give me a book to read. Guthrie, I have a, I have comment. They don't say what you're saying, brother. 
So it's not like I'm the only spiritual retard that fell off the turnip truck here. Other people are believing this that have just as much degrees or more than you or I do. Okay? This is not, we're not just making this up here, brother. I've actually studied this a great deal, and I've read a lot of scholars on the issue. And I honestly believe, Joe, that what you're doing is not completing the thoughts of what's going on and misapplying and misinterpreting what it is I'm saying. Well, and I'm really holding back because I'm just not going to tear into you. I've given you a chance to explain will be saved through childbearing other than taking me through a cultural example of a Greek goddess. I'll let you do it again. It's your show, but explain that to me simply like, like you said before. Yes, go ahead, please. I think it was, uh, was when Paul wrote his epistle. The Greek god, goddess Artemis was the goddess of hunting. Without that, without this, I'm not buying that. Without That's that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So I have to have, listen, this is what you're saying to me. Let's have the, 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 the popetry in Idaho. I have to have your interpretation, some obscure story, to now understand this passage. You're saying if I gave 100 people this passage and the Holy Spirit to interpret to them, they are then going to come up with this long statement about some Greek goddess. What does it plainly teach? Sola Scriptura, brother, what is it saying? Without this long story, in the Greek, what does it say? What it says literally in the Greek is a woman's not to keep your exercise before you. It also says in Titus 1 6, it says that, that an elder is to be the husband of one wife. Literally in the Greek, one man of one So if you want to pull the literal literal part of that, you don't have an argument. But I, let me finish. You asked me. I was going to, I was going to finish. And I'm letting you interrupt me a great deal. I have. And I you've been more than gracious. I did it again. Yes, Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but I've let you do that a great deal. And I don't want people to get the impression that volume means correct. Okay. Go ahead. Sure, sure. I've talked. If you want to close it out, that's fine. I just wanted to get to some other things, but that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Take your time. So, the Greek goddess Artemis was the goddess of hunting, wilderness, wild animals, and childbirth. Ephesian women would pray to Artemis so that they would be saved through childbirth. Now, the word for salvation in Greek is soterios, and one of the other names of Artemis was soteria, which is very close to the Greek word for salvation. Paul may very well have been referring to this goddess by saying that the Ephesian women who were converts from the cult of Artemis were to trust in Christ to deliver them through childbirth instead of looking to the pagan goddess. That is there. I'm not the only one who said this. There's others who've seen this as well. Just because you haven't seen it in a commentary doesn't mean it's not true. And that's a very good understanding of the cultural context, what was going on. First, uh, First Timothy 2.15 has been highly debated. No one can know for sure what it means. But we can go back a few verses and we can be very clearly very clearly understanding what Paul says when he says he doesn't allow a woman to teach exercise authority with remain silent because of Adam was created first. This is not a cultural thing. Okay, so so you, you bounced around a little bit. Let me let me bounce around the Bible with you a little bit. So so here you have uh, the judge Deborah, uh, and now she has authority, but she really doesn't have it over a man, and yet she she's supposed to now be a judge for Israel because this coward king will go out and fight. Uh, you know, come on, brother, this doesn't make it. Now, a woman's prophesying. Let me just follow your thinking. Well, I named Deborah. Can I just name another? I just want to name another, please. Deborah is one. Then the other one is prophesying in general. So a woman gets a We're both spiritual, charismatic brothers, praise the Lord. And, and a woman gets a word. But this word cannot have authority over a man's life. This this prophecy. So One thing at a time. First of all, Deborah was a judge in the Old Testament. She's not an elder or a pastor in the New Brother, Testament. it's the Bible, and Adam and Eve came before her, so your point would be valid throughout the Old Testament. Let's not be, Paul, let's not, let's not get off subject here. He, 
You're saying it's from the beginning. You said it was from the beginning. I'm giving you an example from the beginning. God broke his own rules according to you and put Jebra in charge then. Paul, I'm trying to tell you, Paul <laughs> quoting the Adam and Eve reference in relationship to the new formation of the Christian church. He's right, telling us on. how things are to run in the church. You just, because, oh, Lord have, okay. See, this is why, I'll be honest, for all your listeners, have them pray for me now. This is between you and I, the reason why I can't debate Christians, because A, I don't see a lot of fruit come out of it other than us just having a good time. And then, brother, I get, I get a little uh, angry. I'm getting a little upset here. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But brother, you just told me this was from the formation of the creation of the world. This is something that we should have known all along. Adam, then Eve, Adam, and this is the theology. Here's where he gets his practice from. Well, lo and behold, you know, here comes Deborah. Then why is God giving this woman authority? Because she shouldn't have it because Eve's always been cursed. Well, now it's the church. Okay, well, a woman prophesies. She doesn't have an authority over a man when she prophesies? No, that wasn't for me because it came from a woman. You know, this doesn't make any sense, brother. Just take it culturally, and you'll be okay. And I'll be, <laughs> and I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be patient with you, okay? But I think that you need to focus, and you're actually making several exegetical errors. We're making oh, what's called a fallacy of a, of a category mistake, for one thing, and also a fallacy of division. Name them specifically. Name them specifically. When, when you say that Deborah... Yes. had authority, and therefore a woman in the present church can have authority because Deborah did. You're mixing categories. I didn't do that. That wasn't my. What I was saying was she had authority in the Old Testament, and the fall was in the Old Testament. And if your theory was right, it would have been throughout the whole Bible. That's my point. And here's another thing: is what you're doing is is um, saying attributing to me things I'm not saying. Okay, you've done it many, many times. When you listen back to this. You know, you'll see, I, I let you talk and go and go and go, and I say, no, that's not what I'm saying, it's not what I'm saying, it's not what I'm saying. It happens oh, many times. I apologize. All right. Now, Deborah was a judge. An elder in a New Testament church is not the same thing as a, a judge in the Old Testament. Did she have authority over men in the, in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Is that the same thing as an elder in the Christian church? Is that office of the judge the same as an office of the elder? No, it's not. Okay, then let me ask you. Well, then let's ask for clarification here. If what you said is true, Adam, then Eve, then this is how women are now cursed under the law. Why did God allow a woman to break the rank and file and come out and have authority when it was already upon their life to be under the headship of a man, to be quiet and servant to a man. This was the culture of the day. This was what but God worked with. Men. Well, then why couldn't it happen in the New Testament, brother? Why, why wouldn't it be acceptable it now? Happen. It happens all the time around us. The men in churches are in sin, not stepping up to the plate, not doing their God-given job, and so women are stepping in place and taking their place. They are doing what's not supposed to be their position. The only reason women are in the pulpit is because men aren't doing their jobs. Well, I appreciate you being honest in that, that you do believe that God allows it to happen, but you're putting it on the woman's desire. I say it's God's desire. And let's go to the thing of prophecy now. Let's go to the thing of prophecy. So a woman is prophesying. How is she prophesying and yet not having authority? 
She's not an elder, and she's not a pastor. Now, you're reading that into the context that authority over a man means an elder or a deacon. It means authority. For me to say, don't do this or do this, that's authority, my friend. Even Caiaphas prophesied, and he wasn't a believer. So it had authority. It had authority. He, he moves upon people, and people can speak. And when a prophet gives a prophecy, it's something that happens. I Once in my life, just once, I had a charismatic experience where I prophesied over a girl. In detail, for, I gave a number of months that something in the future would happen, and a specific, I mean, it was, it was really detailed. It only happened once. Does it make me an authority in the church? Does it mean I have authority over everybody else? But you had authority, and you no, were teaching. You were teaching. My friend, you're redefining it. I'm telling you what teaching is. Teaching is to teach. It says to give knowledge, to help someone understand. Some authority, my friend, is to be able to say stop and go. This is that simple. When someone prophesies, that's exactly what they're doing. They're sharing God's message. They're teaching it, and they're telling people to stop and go. Thus says the Lord. This cannot fit into your church today. You're not okay. being honest with it. Put it in the no, cultural context no, 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 and be free. Listen, be free. Listen, 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 you said something several times, which i got to call you on. Call said, me on it, please. You I'll said pick you up be and say hello. You said, Matt, you got to be honest with this. The implication is that you're saying I'm not being honest. I feel like you're not. I'm not it's saying you're being bad. dishonest as a liar or as a purposeful thing. I'm just saying when you look back over this and you hear what I'm saying, don't you have to say to yourself, that if a woman is prophesying, she is teaching and having authority. I mean, isn't that the most clear sense of looking at it honestly, without bias of an opinion? Honestly, would that be the easiest way to look at it? No. So if someone prophesied, the, to you, they're not teaching you, and they're not having authority. And so if a woman in your congregation came to you and can said, a, thus says the elder, Lord. Can an elder excommunicate somebody? Yes. Can a, does a, a woman who... Stand up in a church and prophesy because she have the authority to excommunicate somebody? That is so far from this context. We're reading into a whole lot of things. Let's just say teach and authority, brother. Teach and authority. I would like for you to tell me what those mean in the Greek. Tell me what teach and authority means in the Greek because I'm getting a very simple answer from my lexicon right here. Teach, to give knowledge, you know. Uh, oh, I, I, it's an open door. i got to say it. Go ahead. When you build theology on real simple answers, you get a simple theology, wow. not necessarily a correct one. Matt, I love the you. Is, the word Hezekiah is different than the word Sagao. You do the homework on that. I did, Paul and I don't point. find any backing up to what you said. If you can show me other homework, let's say this, you just put the burden of proof on me. I'm claiming ignorance on what you just said on this word study. Now I'm asking you to give it back to me. So it's on you now. You show me through outside sources, other commentaries that defend your word for silent being respectful. And I will, uh, you know, I will change my opinion. But I have commentaries that have never mentioned that argument as of yet. So the burden of proof is on you. Well, then you're getting commentaries that aren't doing a very good job of biblical analysis. Well, then talk to the universities, my friend, that are giving them to me. And by the way, I didn't even get into Moo and Bruce in here. Moo and Bruce disagree with you totally on Phoebe and Junia, and yet they disagree with women in ministry. I mean, brother, the, the Greek grammar is not helping you in these arguments. So why don't we leave the Greek out of it and trust the translators and just read what it tells us to do? Well, actually, it's kind of... Man, you see, the Bible says, we have two minutes in the show, 
Bible says be respectful to others who are elders and to not bring a, an accusation against them. And because you're an elder and a pastor, yes. I consider it to be very, very serious. So, you know. What would you accuse me of? How have I, 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 brother, I am a student of the Bible. I've taken Greek. You're not talking to a novice or an ignorant person. I'm saying we're not Greek. I'm not a Greek translator, but yet I can read the Bible and go, and, and go great places with it and its truths. We both agree, we're not coming with a New World Translation. We both agree in these standard versions, you know, NIV, NSAV, whatever. I'm just saying, brother, why are we defining over words? The Bible says don't wrangle over the words. Let's get at the context of the Scripture. What is it saying? Let's get the theology to back up with it and come up with the practice. If your argument is based on a Greek word and you have to convince us of it, then, my friends, I think that is an air of superiority because not everybody has that. And I don't think God made it unclear to us. My family is Greek, and they don't know Greek grammar. So are you telling me every person who read the Greek Bible knew Greek grammar? I don't even know English grammar as well as you guys who have studied Greek. So it's a mute point. There's an article on my website that you can go to it, and it deals with the issue of Hesychia and Sagat. Well, I'm looking at it right now. It won the show. It's 1 Timothy 2, 9-15. is a woman, a specific individual. I go in there and I cite the references of Hesuki and Sagano. And you can go check them out for yourself and see how they're used. I did check and it I, out, and then I checked it out on Lexicon, and it disproved that. So I'm asking you, show me where you got your information. I, I've said it to you three times, brother. I'm just telling you, I did what you told me to do, and it came up with something different. It can't disprove it. because Brother, I have the word right here. And just a Greek, if anybody does this, brother, in a Greek strong, this is what it says. Quietness. Quietness. Silence. Feminine noun. Thayer's description of a life of one who stays at home, does their own work. Okay, go ahead. There you go. Yes. Okay. It's a bit frustrating talking with you because every time I basically every time I try and get a point in, you jump right in and just keep going. And you, you insert things into the conversation I don't say. And you know, you've said, Matt, if you're going to be honest, and you've, you know, I'm calling on this lovingly, but you've impugned my character. In I don't mean it that way, brother. Please forgive me. Let your listeners hear. I am sorry. I don't mean honestly in the sense you're lying. I thought I'd clarify that. I mean honestly well, right. in a plain sense. Plainly. Plainly. So I'll use the word plainly. Please forgive me. I don't right. mean it that way. I, I, I hear you. You know, in brotherly love, let's just stop right now. The music's playing. I gotta go. I don't have time. <laughs> okay? We'll talk again. I'll see you. Okay, brother? I love you. Blessings. I love you too, man. Hey, folks. I'm not going to be in tomorrow night. Monday we'll be talking about this. Uh, you know what? There's a lot.